Well, good morning. We are continuing our series on Get a Clue, where we're talking about some bad habits we all have. Sometimes we're avoiders, sometimes we're controllers, and we've looked at some of those themes. Sometimes we're pleasers or victims or vacillators. And who do you think that theme song we just listened to goes with this morning? The Vacillator. And the vacillator, uh, Miley Cyrus is singing about somebody she's dating who's a vacillator who just seems like an unpredictable roller coaster. One moment they're your best friend, the next moment they're really angry at you, and it's just hard to figure out who you're dealing with. And whether you're raising a vacillator, whether you're married to a vacillator, whether you're working for a vacillator or working with the vacillator, it can be a real challenge, sometimes a real fight. And I'm going to help today give you some compassion for that vacillator, whether it's yourself or somebody you're married to, and begin to give us some real tools on how to deal with that roller coaster in a very healthy way. Because we don't want it to be a fight. We don't want it to be a battle. And speaking of fight and battle, today is a real special time in our country to celebrate those who've battled for our freedom so that we can actually have times like this to open up the Bible uh, freely in America in a way that we can celebrate and explore together. So... I would just like to take a moment and recognize all the veterans who fought for us. If you're a veteran with us today, could you stand up? We'd just like to thank you for fighting for our freedom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah, both, uh, both my grandfathers uh, fought. Uh, my grandfather, one grandpa was a medic and the other was uh, a Marine in World War II. And so I just so appreciate the freedoms we have and don't take for granted what it costs uh, to have those freedoms. So let me pray and thank God for you and we'll continue on the service. Father, we do thank you for those who battled for us. We know that freedom is not free. And we know that we can't even imagine the level of trauma that many have gone through so that we don't have to live in trauma. So, Father, we thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for the reminder of the ultimate sacrifice that you gave yourself to fight for our freedom as well, through forgiveness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue looking at this journey of what it takes to to not have unproductive fights and unproductive battles in our spouses, in our families, and in our relationships, I want you to really reflect on some of the challenges in your own relationships and why it does feel like a battle. And why it does feel like not just a battle, but sometimes a game that's going on. A game you don't know the rules to and a game that you don't really know how to play. And we're going to try and spell out some of the, the helpful hints to help us unpack that and make better marriages, better families, and better workplaces. Let's listen. I thought we could throw a huge party in the mansion, have a banquet, play cards, pool in the billiards room. I have it all pictured out. Fine dining, dancing, dressed to the nines, a perfect occasion. But just when I was starting to have fun, bang, someone murdered my expectations. <laughs> my relationships are the same way. I make all the efforts. I pave the way for conversation, fun, connections. My husband doesn't have a clue. We just can't get on the same page. No matter how hard I try and ask, it just doesn't seem to matter. We just can't get it right. I should probably just quit trying. I am slowly being poisoned by my family's inability to understand my needs. 
As a child, I grew up with a lot of inconsistency, so I am passionate about making things work as an adult. I wish the rest of the world would be just as committed. So this Thanksgiving and Christmas, you're going to meet some vacillators. I remember several years ago, I had a particular person in the family who can just be your best friend. And she can love you, be very charming and very connecting, and just feel like you're on top of the world. And she had just complimented me, and I was in the kitchen at my parents' house, interacting with her kids. Telling stories, having a great time, doing a little magic, all kinds of stuff. And she'd walked over to a different room. And as we got talking, I said, well, you know what, guys? You can't lie like that because parents know when you're lying. And they're like, how? I said, well, when your story doesn't totally... And three rooms over, I heard this charming woman who had just complimented me, you will stop talking right now! I said, they're not talking, I'm talking. I'm talking to you! I'm just telling a story. Stop talking! Just tell us, stop talking now. I guess she thought I was giving away the secrets on how parents know that kids lie. And I said, well, I'm going to finish my sentence. No, you will not finish your sentence. In fact, if you finish that sentence, I will cuss you out right here and right now in the kitchen. How in the world did a second ago I was getting complimented and now I'm getting reamed? A vacillator and something inside her got triggered that I was no longer on her side. I was now against the program, a program I didn't even know was going on. Now, vacillators can be male or female. Here's what a male vacillator can look like. Male vacillator comes home from work and he imagines on his way home from work, oh, my, my, my wife's going to meet me at the door. She'll give me a kiss. She's going to say, how's your day? Uh, and she's going to... Uh, uh, probably take me up to the bedroom, so I'm hoping, but we'll take that part out. So my wife's going to at least meet me at the door, and she's going to give me a kiss. He walks in the door. This is a true story, by the way. Um, not me. This is a guy named Stephen um, and his wife. And it really is uh, Stephen and Kelly. So Stephen comes in. He opens the door, and his wife isn't there. Now, they've just had a new child, and she's holding that new child. So he comes in the door, and immediately the idealized, romanticized needs he thought that she would anticipate and meet haven't been met. So he walks over, and she's holding the baby having a really cool mom moment. Oh, that's so precious. You're doing so good. You're doing so good. She looks over, sees her husband. Oh, hey. Oh, you're doing so great. (laughs) So good. You're so good. I just want to eat you. You're so good. To which he, now, his idealized, romanticized, she should have known what I want and didn't meet it. It comes out like this. Well, I remember when you used to talk to me like that. What? Never mind. I'll be in the garage vacillator. So let me give you some characteristics to see if some vacillating tendencies you might have or people that you've raised or people that you work with. A vacillator, number one, has an excessive need for others to see and adore them. Because they've idealized relationship, they've idealized um, marriage, they've idealized romance. And so other people's reaction is pretty darn important to them. Two, they're easily distressed, therefore, because they need other people to validate them by other people's response or, in this case, lack of response. 
You're not doing what I thought you should, and you shouldn't know how you're supposed to act here according to my uh, understanding. They universally believe that others are to blame for how they feel. I wouldn't be angry if you had kissed me when I came in. I wouldn't be upset if you hadn't told that story. I wouldn't be feeling this way if you hadn't, you hadn't, you hadn't. The, the stimulus is always outside of them. Vasily is also preoccupied with others as they are constantly watching, hyper-analyzing moves and gestures and motives to guess whether or not this person is friendly or not. And if you're friendly, they're going to be your best friend. The minute you disagree, challenge them, have a different opinion, you are now on the radar as hostile, and they pull out, they go from, you know, right to wrong, from hot to cold in a second. A couple of characteristics. While their conclusions are almost always inaccurate, they remain convinced they are right and others are wrong which is why it is so hard to have conversations with them. Because it's black and white and they're right, and the minute you challenge it, you get this explosive reaction because you're no longer on their side. The backlash is always out of proportion to the incident, and the bad mood can last for days as they begin to ruminate on how hurtful it was. I can't believe after everything I do, I can't believe I'd be treated this way, I can't believe you would say that, I can't believe you didn't know that, how could you not know that I need appreciation, how could you, know I didn't, didn't, how could you not know I need you to listen a little bit longer? And they have learned to actually meet and calm themselves by ruminating on the hurt and letting that anger calm them, which is why there's so much inner turmoil in there. Now, I wanted to give us some compassion because a lot of us have some of these tendencies. A lot of us would say, oh, my goodness, that's the first time I've ever heard me explained. It's exactly what goes on inside of me. Now, one of the tools I'd like to add to our repertoire in this series is if you go to one of the books that I'm using for some of this material is called How We Love. If you go to the website howwelove.com and you click on core patterns, you can actually see some patterns of how you actually interact. So for example, if you as in the series realize you're a pleaser and you married an avoider, you can click on the main pattern. Most vacillators marry avoiders. And the reason they marry avoiders is because they grew up with a lot of chaos and they see avoiders as very sturdy, very, un, uh, very predictable, and not chaotic. So vacillators marry avoiders thinking that they're um, not chaotic, and they soon find out that they don't have the tools to actually meet all those needs and expectations that they have, and there's a conflict. So here, for example, is what a pattern looks like of an avoider married to a vacillator. And I've already pulled it up here, so I'll pull it up here. So number one, a vacillator, the tension is building inside of them because of all this idealization of what's supposed to happen. It then leads to disappointment because things rarely live up to their expectations, and therefore they feel abandoned when the other person doesn't meet those needs. Now, they shouldn't have to say what they want because you should just know if you really were a caring spouse or parent or boss. The vacillator then vents their frustration, protests, a little lower anxiety. Now, the avoider is stunned. Remember, avoiders don't want to talk about anything anyway. So they're stunned, like, what just happened here? And as with most avoiders, instead of engaging toward the need, the avoider steps even farther away. And what do you think that does to the cauldron within the vacillator? Well, the vacillator is now hurt. You know, I didn't meet my first expectation. I now feel dismissed. I feel invisible. I feel misunderstood. And I'm angry now by what you did do and now how you're responding to what you didn't do. Now you can imagine the avoider is hiding in the cellar. Totally overwhelmed. I have no idea what to do. And that results in the uh, 
the vest leader is now triggered. Now a level of anger is coming out of them that how you back away, how can you not respond to this? Well, now the voider is triggered because now he's locked the doors and he's hiding out and he's hoping for how they resolve their marriage conflicts, which is the vest leader is reflecting all that pain, reflecting everything you've ever done your whole life to them that hasn't been adoring, and the avoider waits it out hoping that maybe, given enough time, we won't talk about it, it'll just go away. And then it repeats next time you have a fight. You're going, oh my goodness, who's been videotaping our house? (laughs) And if you click on the different things, you're going to see the core patterns between you and your spouse, you and that son or daughter, and say the pattern is the problem, not your son, daughter, or spouse. You together can come against this pattern. Which just gets us to the main point, whether you're married to a vacillator, you are a vacillator, or you're raising one. The problem you think is mostly on them is really something that's in you. A lot of what I think is on you in this situation is really coming from what's in me. That inner anxiety, the inner turmoil. And you're going to see that in Jacob today. How this character Jacob, this vacillator, has all this inner turmoil. And he always thinks it's on you. When really, God's going to help him figure out a lot of what's going on what's inside of him. So we're going to look at three truths today and three applications. Our first truth is how did we get here? Unmet needs from parents become hypersensitive wounds in marriage. As I said in this whole series, this is not a beat up your your mom and dad series. Your mom and dad worked with what they had. You've worked with what you had. We're just going to try to acknowledge how we ended up where we are so we can then say, how can I do better? Because even as an adult, you can go back and apologize. You can go back and undo some of this. You can go back and, and own some of this stuff, which we part of the healing process. So Jacob, one of the two sons, is a vacillator. And you're going to see just all the inner cauldron of emotions. And how did he get here? Well, he's got some really hypersensitive wounds that react in marriage. And those came from growing up with a father who was an avoider and a mom who was a controller. And each one of those deposited in him an inability to know how to express needs, how to process needs, and how to actually bring confession and resolution. I'll give you some examples. From his father, what did he learn? So his dad's name was Isaac. Dad was an avoider, as we talked about a few weeks ago. What he learned from dad is, I can't count on dad to meet my needs. Why? I know God told dad he's supposed to bless the younger, not the older. So God's even told him, this spiritual leader, this great man of faith, to bless me, and he's not. I also realized that mom can't bring it up, because when mom tries to bring it up, he just avoids the subject, because he's going to bless Esau, because he likes him better. So what I've learned, what's been deposited inside of Jacob is I can't trust other people to meet my needs when I do express them. I better take care of them myself. So he steals birthrights. He he lies and dresses up. He runs away. It's in his own hands. Now imagine, as a young little boy, the challenge of not knowing how to get your needs met. Not knowing how to talk through grief and disappointment and dreams and hopes of being the blessed one and what that means that God has chosen him. All that was avoided. Now from his mother, Rebecca, the controller, she got, he got another amount of insecurity. And this insecurity is he learned we do have needs. There's nothing wrong to have needs. You need to be blessed. But he learned how to meet those legitimate needs in an illegitimate way. You want to know how to deal with dad who's not going to bless you? We lie about it. We manipulate it. We tell stories. We dress up like things. 
So unlike the avoider who says, well, just don't have any needs and we'll be fine, the vacillator has needs but doesn't know how to get them met in a healthy way. Imagine the confusion that's going on in the heart of a child raised in that environment. And many of us don't have to imagine it. And many of us might even realize in this series that we've caused some of this to some of our children. And maybe God could help us own it and have compassion toward how we could be part of owning what we did and how it deposited a cauldron of emotions in this poor vacillator. Anger, hurt, disappointment, frustration, grief, but nowhere to go. So truth number one is that hypersensitive, unmet needs from your parents become hypersensitive needs as an adult. Truth number two is that vacillators then defend themselves in anger rather than understanding the other person's need. Because when somebody expresses a need to a vacillator, they don't hear the need. They hear that as an attack on them. Because you weren't supposed to act this way. You're supposed to be happy after everything I've done for you. After everything I've provided for you, you should be happy. Idealization. You're not happy. Therefore, this isn't about you hurting. This is about me. Because when I have an unhappy wife, what does it say about me as a husband? And you're going to see exactly that happens with Jacob. Now, in general, when you're in the situation, you don't realize this. That's why I'm trying to sort of open the, the door to say, there's some real hurting needs by the person in front of you, and you're not able to hear that to meet them because you're so focused on yourself because of these expectations you brought to the table. Here's how it happens in Jacob's life. So Jacob is married to Leah. You'll see, as most vacillators, he goes through multiple relationships. He's got four wives. Leah is a victim. We'll talk about her in a few weeks. So he's now married to Leah. Leah, as a victim, gets her needs met by having a bad day. When she's sad, she gets attention. When she's sad, she gets comfort. Well, this couldn't be a worse combination for a vacillator. So she has now encountered something they can't control, which is she's barren. She had kids for a while. She now can't have children anymore. She's got a deep need for comfort, attention, as the wife who's been ignored. So look what she says. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and says to Jacob, now Jacob again has two wives, so we're going to see some interactions both with Leah and with, with uh, Rebecca. So this is Rebecca first. So Rebecca is also barren. Rebecca's our controller. And she says, give me children lest I die. And what's his response to that? Oh my goodness, my wife's suicidal. Nope. Oh my goodness, what's going on? How can I help? No. What's going on that, this would, that you'd be hurting so badly? Do you see our vacillator can't hear or respond to her need? His response is, Jacob's anger was aroused. Your wife's suicidal and your anger is aroused? Why would that be? Because vacillators defend themselves in anger, even if it's not about them. What kind of husband must I be that I can't get you pregnant? And so the anger becomes the emotion that comes out of them, and therefore they're blinded to see the needs right in front of them. Here's your wife, suicidal, and she needs understanding and comfort. Why is that? Because anger is my normal response because it's all about me. You shouldn't be acting this way. What does it say about me that I've got a spouse who's unhappy or a child that doesn't behave? Jacob's anger, anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God? 
who has withheld you. How can I fix this anyway? Second, insecurity is in him because it's all about me as well. So now his other wife, Leah, saw that she too had stopped bearing. She has two wives who are going through the process of grieving infertility. She took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to her husband as a wife. That's how he got his third wife. It was the, the maid of his second wife, and how he got his first wife, and how he got his fourth wife, and she was the maid of his second wife. It's, yeah, these are the people of God. Um, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Now Leah's maid Zilpah, Zilpah and Milpah, bore Jacob a second son. And Leah says, I am happy. Her circumstances have changed, and she always remember others. Outside always determines... For the daughters, look at the expectation here. Now that I've had another son, the people, the daughters, will call me blessed. So see the idealization again? I know if such happens, I will be called blessed. I've been a mockery. Everybody's made fun of me because I was barren. Probably not even true, but that was the feeling. Now that I can have children through my maid, people will call me blessed. And this is what happens is, is this romanization or idealization of saying, I know how things should work, and then when they don't work, that cauldron comes boiling up again. So that's truth number two. Truth number three, as we think about their family, is this. Violators are really, and that's why I want you to have compassion toward it, a violator is stuck in a real double bind. A violator doesn't, a violator, a vacillator, <laughs> a vacillator is in a double mind, which is like a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. A vacillator doesn't think he or she should ever have to say what she needs because a loving spouse would know what he or she needs. So their needs aren't getting met, but they don't think they should express their needs either. And that cauldron continues. Here's the two reasons they're in a double bind. Number one, our needs, God designed us as needy people. Even in the Garden of Eden, when he put Adam and Eve in a perfect environment with him there before Eve showed up, Even with God in a perfect environment, no violation, no betrayal, God said it was not good for man to be alone. So even in a perfect environment with God, God made us needy enough that he needed our needs, or he designed us so our needs would be met through other people. But our needs can't be met by taking, and a vacillator is always taking. And whenever you try and take to get your needs met, you're sort of glad it's better than not getting the needs met, but I really wanted you to choose to give I didn't want to have to take. I want you to choose to put your arm around me. Choose to lean and listen in. Not because I'm demanding. Not because I'm forcing. So a vacillator knows that when she demands or when he demands, it doesn't feel as good as if the other person chooses. But she doesn't want to have to say it or he doesn't want to have to say it anyway because you should just know. Let me show you how this plays out here in the story. Our needs cannot be met by taking, and this is a bizarre story. So now we got four wives. Remember, we got Leah, we got Rachel, we got Milfot, and Zilpha. And they are trying to determine who gets to bed Jacob tonight. And in that culture, there was an aphrodisiac called mandrakes. You'd stumble across occasionally. It'd be like today walking around and stumbling across some female Viagra. Oh my goodness! And here's what happens in the story. So keep that in mind because what happens in the story. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him. And she said, You must. You have to come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And if you go to the earlier part of this chapter, it's bizarre. The four women are fighting over who gets the mandrakes for the evening to get themselves in the mood to bed their husband. 
It, it's like, uh, I don't know, like Desperate Housewives of Genesis 30. Um, just an interesting passage. So she has won the battle between Milpha and Zilpha and all these folks. She now has the mandrakes. And look at how she gets her needs met for attention, her needs met for comfort, her needs for, I'm tired of being the wife that you don't ever come see. Look at her demand. She's trying to get her needs met by taking. You better, you must, I hired you, you owe me. And even when he does uh, oblige, look at how she even processes it. See, God has given me my wages, not a gift. I earned this. I had to take this. God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me. Now look at that. See the unmet need? She's hoping that if she can get pregnant, her husband, who doesn't even live with her, by the way, will come and dwell with her, not with another wife. So she's deeply alone, deeply wants attention, and she hopes that maybe because of this, he will start prioritizing her. But he doesn't work because our needs aren't met by taking. She wants her husband to choose her, not to have to hire and manipulate him to get those needs met. So our needs cannot be met by taking. Two, we want someone, what we really want is we want somebody who will really see us, understand us, engage us, and care about us. And this is where, again, all through the story, you see God over and over with Hagar, with Isaac. Listen and hear. He listens and hears. He listens and hears. God listens to people. He understands. He gives them attention and comfort in an unconditional way. And he does that here as well. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dina. And God remembered her. And God listened to her. What must it be like to be one of four wives that you never get any time? Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me about the hurt you're experiencing. And God is this perfect spouse, this perfect counselor, this perfect parent. And when God listened to her and entered her world, she said, wow, God has taken away my reproach simply because he was a great listener in meeting her in her need and understanding her. So those are our three truths. Now, what I hope that helps you understand is that the vacillator that is such a roller coaster is really hurting inside. So now I want to give you some applications to if you are a vacillator, what you can do to make some progress. Two, if you're married to one or raising one, what you can do to process it. Number one, the first thing we need to do is that we need to move your heart from the billiard room to the lounge. When you come into a situation, if you're a vacillator, and you find this roller coaster within you, your, your heart is almost always in the billiard room. There's balls banging into each other, crash, 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 clunk, 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 crash, 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 crash. So all this inner anxiety, you think is they made you feel that way, and that made you feel that way, and they should have reacted that way, and they should have been feeling this way, and they should have responded that way. Crash, 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 crash. So part of when you begin to become aware that that's what's going on, because right now you think it's everybody else. Well, my heart really is in turmoil. I need to move my heart from the billiard room to the lounge. I need to settle. What's really going on? What do I really need here? Comfort. So I gave you that list that opening week of those intimacy needs. You say, this isn't really about him not doing or her not doing. It's that same husband who walked in the door and said, honey, when you have a moment, I'd love some affection. I'd love just a kiss and just experience a a a little moment before the day continues. That's really what's going on here. For her to say, oh, I... I love us to have just a moment here to give some attention to this is our child. Can we celebrate this moment for a second? But 
she doesn't know what she feels and he doesn't know what she feels. And so calming yourself, stepping back and saying, I'm not sure why I'm reacting the way I am right now. Let me go to the lounge and try and ask God, ask myself, what do I really need? Those three questions. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? And where do I need support? And be able to express that to your spouse. Honey, I'm feeling angry because when I came home, it seemed like I'm not a very high priority and that's becoming a pattern. And I think what I just need is to be reminded that I'm important. That's you being self-aware enough to express where you're at. Now, look what happens in the story. Jacob sent and called Rachel. Now, he is mad. Oh, he is mad. He is mad because her, his father-in-law, Laban, who's a bit of a scoundrel, not a bit, he's a scoundrel, and he is mad, and he is just oozing in and meditating with his anger at everything he's ever done for his whole life. Typical vacillator. Look what he says. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah, both their dads. I see your father's countenance. I know. I, I, I can sense what he's feeling toward me. I, I've seen it in his face. I read people perfectly well. Because vacillators always think they read people well. And I've seen his face, and it's not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my way just ten times. I remember, let me tell you about the first time he did it. Let me tell you the second time he did it. And this just reminds me how mistreated I've been my whole life. Now, while he's ruminating and just more balls smashing into each other in the billiard room, look at the advice God gives Laban for talking to the vacillator. Laban, who's not at all perfect, by the way, God steps into his life and says, when you come and meet with Jacob who's got his hippocampus all over the place emotional. <laughs> Be careful what you say. Don't speak to Jacob neither good or bad. That's weird advice, isn't it? But sometimes when somebody is in an emotional reaction, the best thing you can do is let them calm down before you have a conversation. Because you try and engage in anything else, good or bad, you're just going to get the shrapnel that comes from it. And that's the advice God gives Laban in talking to Jacob when he's in this moment. Jacob's got to calm down a bit. Because nothing productive is going to come out of this conversation while he's in this moment. Second. One of the things you can do if you're a vacillator, or married to one, or raising one, is think of like rolling the dice. Vacillators have a tendency to see everything as 2 or 12 on the dice. They either don't care, or it's a big deal! They're really happy, or they're really mad! Because of that cauldron within them. So part of what can help you move into the lounge are four tools I want to give you. And each is a tool you have to practice, by the way. These are not easy. Number one, learn to discover and express needs rather than attack. So when you catch yourself, you never, I can't believe you didn't, ask yourself, what do you need here? Pull out that list of intimacy needs. I think I just need some appreciation for what I do. Learn to express needs. I shouldn't have to say it. They should know it. No one knows. Only God is omniscient. Nobody knows what you need except you. And so the ownership is going to be on you to figure out what you need so you can express that so the other person can choose to respond. But that's going to take some time in the lounge for you to begin to learn after years of not learning how to express your needs what it is you really need here. Which then means I need to know what I need and then learn how to express it. And marriages and families either, we all got these terrible tools, instead of saying, I need comfort, I just need some respect right now, I just really had a bad day, I'd love some attention, because I feel like I've just been through the ringer, that's need language, I need. None of us talk like that. 
we learned you always, you never language, especially if you're a vacillator, because you are building a case in your mind of everything that's ever happened. You've never listened to me. You've never cared. You always do this. And I promise you that's not going to work. One, it isn't, they, it's not that they've never done it. I'm sure they did it once. And it's not that they've always done it. I'm sure there's at least a exception to the rule. So when you say always or never, they're not even going to hear your need because all they're going to do is start defending about the three times they didn't do it or the two times they did do it. So catch yourself saying always and never. That's that, that two or twelve inside you coming out. Three. And this is going to be almost impossible to do. I'm going to show you where Jacob did in just a second. You really believe that you've assessed the situation accurately. And you're black and white thinking, what's called polarization in psychology. You think you know, you've sized this up perfectly. You're not not in the open that you might be wrong. The only wise thing you can do if you want to solve this is not be open that you might be wrong. You need to assume that you are wrong. Assume your black and white observations are more wrong than right. And then you're not going to be able to fix this. You're going to have to catch yourself. In the middle of a conversation, you found yourself saying, Well, you always catch yourself. Two minutes, three minutes. You know, I did it again, didn't I? Let me calm down. I want to try this conversation again after I've calmed down. Come back. All right. I've, I've thought about this. I think I just need some appreciation for what, I'm, for what I've been going on for the last six months. Now, you're not going to do that in, after the sermon. I got it. You're going to catch yourself doing it wrong. You're going to say, honey, I think I did it again. And your spouse is going to go, thank you, God. He at least knows he's doing it. She at least knows she's doing it. And honestly, that is a path to to progress. Then you're going to do a do-over. Let me try this again, and I'm going to try and be a little less defensive. Or I'm going to try a little bit more me language and not you language. Fourth, catch yourself doing it. Admit you're doing it and try a do-over. Vacillators tend to see everything as 2 or 12 to begin to bring that calm and to make some steps forward. All right. Let me show you how Jacob does this. So Jacob, who, like I said, did not have great models from his parents, but again, none of us really know how to love well. Only God knows how to love well, which is why we need to know God. God shows up to Jacob in the middle of his turmoil with Laban, with Esau, and God shows him unconditional love. I want to give you some land. I got some promises for you. I know you. I know you by name. I want you to understand that what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the whole world through your life. And Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. So Israel today is named after this man, this vacillator, with a lot of hurt. And as he pours all this love on him, and he pours all this unconditional display of attention and comfort and affection on him, Jacob wakes up. It was kind of a dream. He wakes up, and here's what he says. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. Remember I told you vacillators think that they always know everything? Look at the humility here. I mean, how could God be in a place and you not know it? I can say like, hey, I I couldn't find my phone. I couldn't find my keys. How did you not notice the elephant in the room? God was in this place and you didn't know it? As a vacillator, there is an area where the turmoil that's coming from you, you don't even see it. So to have the humility like Jacob did to say, man, I might be missing something. I think it's all on you. I want to be open that this might be what's coming from in me. And then it says, when he began to allow God to teach him how to love, began to receive that love, he said, how awesome is it that God would be in this place with me? And it says, then he experienced peace. Look at that last line. 
I'm going to come back to my father's house. He's about to go back to a family reunion. It's not going to be good. But he's going back now, not in anxiety, but in peace. The word shalom. God is bringing shalom or wholeness to him in the midst of his turmoil. And the Lord shall be my God. And that's what a vassalator needs more than anything. He needs shalom. He needs a calming, a meeting of needs. So to do that, I want to show you how with our last point today, which is a vacillator needs to get a clue by giving a clue. Now, again, you've got this mindset that says, I shouldn't have to tell my spouse or my parents or whatever what I need. They should just know it. Well, that's never going to work. So you just got to sort of get rid of that. Get a clue by giving a clue. And these are available at horizoncc.com. Get a clue. These, this intimate int- intimacy need uh, we give out the first week. It's also available out in the foyer. I give you ten needs, all with Bible verses to show you how God designed us needy. To you to pick your top three and tell your spouse, I think these are the three things that speak the most to me, what I need the most. I put three up here. Attention, affection, and comfort. And then give a clue to your spouse or to your parents or to your kids. Here's what it looks like when you meet that need. Attention. You know what? If you would ask me, um, ask me when you first get home what I did and be excited about what I'm working on. Now, this is one of mine. I actually, I wrote that one from my perspective. I do want advice. I do want help. But I want you to be excited about what I'm excited about. That is actually one of my biggest needs. And when my wife asks me what I did and is excited about what I'm doing, it speaks to me at a level that I'm not sure anything else does. Except maybe affection. Second one. Um, second one. Now, for affection, it's going to be different for each one of us. You might say affection for you. Is going for a walk. And your spouse is like, going for a walk? Get a clue by giving a clue. Yeah. If we just went for a walk together and we held hands. If, if you sat down next to me while watching TV instead of watching two different shows and being on our devices and held my hand and watched TV, boy, that would just really mean a lot to me. Three, comfort. And I'm going to show you in a second why this is so important for vacillator. Entering your world. Comfort. You need to listen to me for about ten minutes and help me figure out what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, and where. Ten minutes? But don't, wouldn't it be better to at least know that than waste 30 minutes talking about something irrelevant? Get a clue by giving a clue. So I want to show you how to do that. Because some of the stuff is so theoretical when you see it in action. So, and again, it may feel clunky, but your current tools work so bad. Why not try something that's a little clunky but might work better? Help you figure out what you're feeling. And I went through three of the six questions. Three might be, t- that's, that's more than you've ever done before. Just do the first three. What are you feeling and why? Scale one to ten. And the whole time you're trying to identify that. Now, in the time we have remaining, this is the tool. Again, you can get this at horizoncc.com backslash get a clue. We've got a few out in the foyer. When your kids say you're not listening to me, admit it. Okay, I don't think I'm listening. Now, specifically with the vacillator, you're going to need to listen for 10 to 15 minutes to understand the cauldron of emotion within them before you discuss or rebuttal anything. Now, I would suggest that in general you should do that, but especially with a, with a, uh, a vacillator. There is so much hurt, so much disappointment, so much anger, so much anxiety. The hippocampus is so kicking in that you're going to have to listen not for two minutes, not for three minutes. You're going to have to listen for 10 to 15 minutes and and see this as I'm helping them calm that inner anxiety that's in them. I'm being a gift of God's grace to them. Though they're saying some things I don't deserve, saying things that aren't true, I'm not evaluating the truth of what they're doing. I'm entering into the chaos they're experiencing. Does that make sense? There's a tradition used by the UN, but prior to that it was used uh, in Indian cultures. It was called the talking stick. And so the listener would have a stick they would hold, 
and you would talk and the other people could only ask questions and you wouldn't put the stick down until you felt understood. It's called the talking stick. Versus usually it's we talk and the other person talks, rebuttal, 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 rebuttal. The goal of this tradition from the Indians was the goal of listening is we are going to keep asking questions until the person puts a stick down and that means I feel like you've understood me. Not agreed with me, but understood me. And it takes time. And this is a skill. It is hard to do what we just did. And it's especially hard to do it when some of the things your spouse is disappointed in include you. It's especially hard not to get angry. And if you've got a vacillator who's got a whole bunch of missiles and bombs and, and, and knives coming your way, that's hard too. Which gets to our third point, which is that when you're with a vacillator, you need to set some boundaries while at the same time affirming you want to understand. Listen, if you start cussing me out again, I'm going to have to walk away. But I really want to understand. So as long as you don't cuss me out, as long as you don't say, it's okay to set boundaries for you to not have unhealthy things demean you. But while you set a boundary, immediately put that affirmation, I really want to understand what you're saying. So let me go back to my relative. Sadly, I've not talked to her for 10 years. And I have made a continual attempt to have that conversation. So about four years after the incident I described... She called up because of a misunderstanding and accused my wife and I of all kinds of things that weren't true. I said, well, tell me what's going on. I listened for 20 minutes. She cussed me up and down and back and forth and accused me of things that weren't even remotely true, and I just listened. So it sounds like you feel like we, we violated your trust. It sounds like you feel like we put your family in danger. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. And you will put your wife on the phone right now, or I will never talk to you again. I said, well, well, that's a decision you need to make. I don't want to make that decision. I certainly don't want that to happen. But you've been cussing at me now for 30 minutes. I typically don't allow people to swear at me this long. I said, but I want to understand where you're coming from. But I'm not going to put my wife on the phone. You will put your wife on the phone right now. I will never talk to you guys again. To which I'm thinking, praise God, I found a way. To I didn't say that. I felt it. I felt it. I said, listen, we want to understand what you're going on. We want to be able to meet halfway but I'm not going to allow you to talk to my wife while you're talking to me. So if you can propose another way for us to talk that's a little um, less destructive, I would be very open to it. And I have followed up every year. I've talked about my reconciliation with my brother, and I've asked him to brainstorm ways at which we could reconcile this, but I continue to say, I want to reconcile, but I'm not going to let myself be demeaned. And there is a way to do both. As long as you're coming from a place of calm, not a place of reacting yourself. Which brings us to the fourth thing, which is why I want you to have compassion for the vacillators in your life. Remember, the pattern is the problem, not your spouse, child, or friend. It's, it's, it's challenging to be a vacillator. There's a lot of pain that's not their fault. Now, how they deal with it is their responsibility. So have compassion for that person to say, it's this pattern's the problem. There's this wonderful, caring, loving, scared, anxious little child, little Jacob in there, who desperately doesn't know how to love and certainly doesn't know how to be loved. And that is why in a story of Isaac's family, we see God over and over again stepping into the world of these chaotic people and saying, I want to meet you where you're at. I think God wants to meet you where you're at this morning too. Whether you're a vacillator 10% of the time or 80% of the time, I want to pray the prayer and experience that Jacob had with, with, uh, with God over you. Let's pray together. Father, Would you bring the insights that came out of this text today into our heart? For those of us who felt like we've been beat up because we're always the problem and that shame has created an invisible shield to keep us from owning our part, 
God, would you remind, whisper, yell, pound on our hearts that you want to teach us to love better? God, would you remind us that there's an unconditional love? There's a wonderful, listening Heavenly Father who wants to teach us how to spouse the way you spouse, how to parent the way you parent. And maybe you this morning want to respond to God and say, God, I need forgiveness for the ways I have hurt people with the way I've reacted. God, I need your calming, shalom, and peace in my heart because of the anxiety I don't know how to manage. God, teach me to love the way you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here for Get a Clue. Next week, we finally got enough courage. I'm going to talk about my own dysfunction. We'll talk about the pleaser next week. See you all next week.